0: Are you ready? Is the question.
1: They thought it couldn't be done. Ajax are doing it. Roma and written!
0: Welcome everybody to the Final Countdown, a podcast looking back at great finals within the game of football. I am Lewis here, my co-host Adam. Hello. And we get to talk about Jose Mourinho today, the special one, as we're talking about the 2010 Champions League final uh, between Inter Milan and Bayern Munich. And a section that I created at the start of this series was what is going on in the year. Uh, Adam is yet to follow up, uh, except for some slightly made up facts that we had on last week's podcast. Well,
1: they, they weren't made up, mate. No,
0: they were poorly remembered. Right. Um, but nevertheless, uh, we're taking you back in time. Not not too far this time. Only 12 years ago. Mm. But let me paint a picture of uh, 2010. So we had David Cameron, who had become Prime Minister. Unfortunately, as I was going through this year, loads of natural disasters, which obviously isn't great 2010. for... A, yeah, which isn't great for a... Um, a football podcast but you're trying to paint the picture so Haiti had an earthquake that claims nearly a quarter million lives 2010 I know yeah crazy Uh, you had the eruption of I'm gonna try this Ijafalajalajokal the yeah, you yeah. said it right. <laughs> thanks, thanks for confirming <laughs> that. I know you're a big fan of that particular <laughs> volcano. Uh, the, the one that erupted in Iceland. The, um, oh, that stopped all the air traffic. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which also played a, a minor role in this story that I'm going to tell today of yeah. the Champions League final. But yeah. uh, the Deepwater Horizon oil rig exploded, leaking 4.9 million barrels of oil into the Gulf of Mexico. I thought you were talking about a movie then, Deepwater Horizon. Uh, there was one with, I think, Mark Wahlberg. Is it about, called Deepwater Horizon? I think, yeah, it oh, yeah. is. Uh, there were 33
1: Chilean miners... That That were trapped but then rescued I've seen a documentary on that the other day Unbelievable I haven't yeah. on Discovery Nice Really good Well there you go listeners Good recommendation for
0: you Uh, On to slightly lighter news after that Uh, Apple released the first iPad Only 12 years ago Really? Yeah 2010 That is
1: surprising
0: I know Uh, One Direction were formed on the show X Factor Come on the boys Uh, And then last but not least And still no spoilers Because I still haven't got round to it The Lost Series finale aired in 2010, eight. Um, I'm. It's taken me over five years now to finish the final season because I watch like two episodes and then forget about it for six months.
1: We have to go back.
0: <laughs> I put that one in there for you because I knew that it's a personal favorite of yours. Yeah. Uh, but Adam, more importantly, what do you know about the 2010 Champions League final?
1: Well, being that you said who was in it a minute ago, sure. Inter Milan and the other team you mentioned. Oh my god! It I was do, literally I was, a minute ago. I was reading something. <laughs>
0: If I can't engage my co-host, <laughs>
1: then what are we doing here? That's the Juventus? No. Munich? Yes. Was it? <laughs> yes. It's Mourinho's Milan, um Milan. Yes. Yep. Um 2010. So it's pre-Pep Munich? Yep. Is it the guy from last week still Hitzfeld? It's not oh.
0: uh it's not uh Hitzfeld and it's not Jupp Pinkers. Who are the two by managers? It's somebody else. Big large. Ancelotti? No.
1: Larger than life. Yeah. Phil Scullari.
0: <laughs> He's just large. He's not larger than life. Uh, he is a Dutchman. Oh, Van Van Hal. Lady Saxophone. Big applause.
1: I have seen a lady who plays the saxophone. Give her a big applause.
0: It's Louis Van Hal and Jose Mourinho squaring off against each other. I didn't other. know that. I didn't well, know Van Hal did mean it. It's right, gonna okay. be it's gonna be superb when we get into it. Take this. me there, mate. Take okay, me there. Okay, so uh for context, uh, both teams were chasing a treble and it was a feat that had not been achieved by any Italian club or German club um at this point
1: interesting we talked about this didn't we whether How other rare clubs it is. Are, yeah yeah yeah
0: so, it never happened for an Italian club or a German club. Both of them were on track, though. Both had won their domestic cup and their domestic league this right. season. Uh, Inter had been living in the shadow of their fierce rivals, AC Milan, in a European context. Milan having made two finals recently in 05 and 07, losing yeah. one, winning one. Um, but Inter had dominated domestically due to the 2006 Calciopoli scandal where Juventus were relegated uh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. a lot of other sanctions were against things like uh, Milan, Lazio, etc.
1: Right.
0: So... Um, Inter had been winning domestically but had not achieved anything since 1965 in Europe. Wow. So they were on a big, barren uh, streak. Wow. Inter had also uh, sold talismanic striker Zlatan Ibrahimovic for 40 million plus uh, Samueletto and a swap deal with Barcelona. Yep. Uh, that would only last one season as Zlatan hated Pep Guardiola. Mm. Didn't really fit in in that whole setup anyway uh, was a strange signing but nevertheless that that went sour but there were question marks over Inter's validity yep. because Zlatan was such not just a, a great player for them but such a big personality. Um, him and Adriano in the years previous to this had formed Adriano. an amazing yeah. strike partnership uh, but Louis van Gaal was managing Bayern Munich, Jose Mourinho managing Inter uh, and the winning manager would therefore become only the third in European Cup history to win as a manager of two clubs so we spoke about that yep. uh, in my First podcast. So both of them again. Not only were Inter and Bayern Munich going for their trebles, but also Louis Van Hal and Mourinho wanted to make history by joining this list of players to win historic two history. This historic final. history. Yeah. Uh, but the run to the final was quite interesting. So uh, both of them finished second in their group. Bayern Munich um, six points behind Bordeaux. A bit of a shock, um, and Inter Milan were two points behind Barcelona, uh, and Inter Milan really struggled. So, although Bayern Munich uh, qualified, they did manage to finish ahead of Juventus. So, Juventus left in the group stages. Um, Bordeaux and Bayern Munich qualified, but Inter Milan strangely drew their first three games against Barcelona, Rubin Kazan, and Dynamo Kiev, and were on the verge of not qualifying before a last-minute winner against Dynamo Kiev. Um, gave them enough points in order to go through. Right. So Inter Milan were kind of struggling on the continent, they were struggling, whilst domestically they were still dominating. Yep. Uh, Bayern Munich would play Fiorentina and Man United in the quarterfinals, semi finals. Uh, sorry, last sixteen in the quarterfinals. Yep. Uh Fiorentina and Man United both finished four all on aggregate with Bayern Munich only going through on away goals. So they kind of scraped through against Fiorentina, scraped through against Man United, uh, but they did demolish Leon four 0 on aggregate in the semi finals. Right. Whereas Inter Milan had Chelsea, which they beat three one over two legs in the last sixteen. Um CSK Moscow, they beat two 0 on aggregate over two legs for the quarterfinals and then. Chelsea the would have been holders,
1: right? Oh nine they win
0: it.
1: Oh no, it's last. No, 08 no, United, Man United right? win it
0: in 08, That's right. Maybe yeah, it's later. I think it is. All these mixed updates in our heads. Yeah. But um, yeah, Chelsea were a formidable force. Good team. Yeah, uh, CSK and Moscow were demolishing the semi-finals uh, and the semi-final. Inter Milan managed to uh, pull it back with an away goal win against Barcelona um, to win three two on aggregate. And this was Pep's Barcelona. It meant a lot. For right. Mourinho, who had been snubbed as a Barcelona manager despite yeah. his history with the club, um, and so yeah, it was a big result them getting through Barcelona in that semi final.
1: But that was um, spicy. It,
0: well, it always was with Mourinho. Mm. But we're going to get to that. Basically, this, the whole report of this is obviously about the game. It's about um, Inter Milan and Bayern Munich, but it's more about Van Hal and Mourinho, the history between them. Uh, And also just the nature of their um, managing. So Bayern were without uh, star player Frank Ribery, who was suspended after being sent off in the semi-finals against Lyon. Uh, And Inter were without Thiago Motta, who, uh, whilst not being a superstar, was a stalwart for Mourinho, who'd used him in every game in the Champions League. He was a battling, very aggressive defensive midfielder, a player that we know Mourinho loves. Um, But Bayern had created a creative and energetic team who were able to take the game. Uh, To most teams. Inter were an aging team though under Mourinho who was eking every drop of talent from them. So uh, Inter's team included um, Javier Zanetti at 36 years old, Walter Samuel at 32, uh, Matarazzi at 36 and Ivan Cordoba at 33. So a lot of people, not just Kind of approaching 30, although there are more of them as well, but past their kind of prime, you would normally say. Um, But it was really just a battle of the two egos, as Mourinho was truly larger in life at this time. His time at Inter was polarising, with Inter fans and players treating Jose like he was a cult leader. They are absolutely fanatical about him, and still now, there are still uh, banners of Mourinho um, on display uh, there from what he achieved in this year um, so he managed to harness players that had been rejected at previous clubs and created a kind of siege mentality so uh, Samuel had obviously been shipped off by Barcelona in a swap deal uh, Wesley Schneider had been kicked out by Real Madrid Lucio had left Bayern Munich and more on that in a bit and Goran Pandev had been frozen out at Lazio and he brought them all back in again made them feel appreciated uh, and in, t- in return they gave their unquestionable loyalty to him Wesley Schneider said that he would kill and die for Mourinho uh. Dijon- Bankovich said that he would have thrown myself into a fire, uh, and then Etto said it's true that in terms of motivation he is unique. I've worked with plenty of coaches, but Jose is incredible. As a match approaches, he becomes someone else. It's true that like everyone, he is human. He is sometimes eccentric. He loses it sometimes, like he did with me. But he is someone who never says anything against his players. He takes all the pressure on himself. And then finally, talking about Mourinho, Zlatan Ibrahimovic went even further, saying. Mourinho is the disciplinarian. Everything with him is a mind game. He likes to manipulate. Such tricks were new for me. All the time doing one thing in order to get another. All the time triggering me. I like these games, and it worked for me. That guy says whatever he wants. I like him. He's the leader of the army, but he cares too. He would text me all the time at Inter, wondering how I was doing. He's the exact opposite of Pep Guardiola. If Mourinho lights up a room, Guardiola draws the curtains. Mourinho would become a guy I was basically willing to die for. Wow. So an amazing quote, but really you get the idea. It's the whole setup just to say that Mourinho is everything Pep yeah. isn't. Um, it's
1: also very interesting historically because I mean, certainly he turned on the United players. Like yeah. without, there's no way United players would say he had my back all the time.
0: No, he threw Luke Shaw like under the bus so yeah. publicly. He did it at his second time at Chelsea as well yeah. when he started turning on Eden Hazard. He obviously turned on assistant Rui Ferreira, which didn't go down very well. Yeah. Like it seems that this whole cult, like it's us against the world, it's us against the world, which he did do at Chelsea the first time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems that you're right. He hasn't moved with the times, and but we are talking about. Um, Jose Mourinho in his prime here. He did the unthinkable with Porto to win the Champions League in 04. And now he's uh, done amazing things or is about to do amazing things at Inter and then go on to get the Real Madrid job. Like This is Mourinho when there are genuine questions of, so do you think Ferguson's the best manager in the world or has it been Mourinho? And it was really only those two that were ever truly or commonly spoken about. Um, Van Gaal, on the other hand decided to rule with total authority and was probably feared rather than he was loved. Uh, and I've got a couple of stories to showcase this. So uh, Luca Toni had played just four league games on the Van Gaal before he went to Roma uh, in the tran- uh, January transfer window at the start of 2010. And he said... Van Gaal simply didn't want to work with me. He treats players like interchangeable objects. The coach wanted to make clear to us that he can drop any player. It was the same to him because, as he said, he had the balls. Uh, he demonstrated this literally by dropping his trousers inside the changing room. I've never experienced anything like it. It was totally crazy. Luckily, I didn't see a lot because I wasn't in the front row. So he literally got his balls out to give a team talk talking about how he's got the balls <laughs> and nobody else is challenge
1: him. Uh, also for- I mean, If you asked me to guess what manager had done that, I would have guessed.
0: Oh yeah, he's, he's right up there. Oh, he's such yeah. a character. Yeah. Now the fans
1: are shouting every week, Louis van Gaal's army! Louis van Gaal's army! So also the fans are very satisfied with Louis van Gaal. And my players are also satisfied with me. Um,
0: and not to get too nerdy about it, but he, he is a... Um, a grandfather, if you can call that, of modern football. His yeah. uh, football that he implemented, especially in his Ajax days, was uh, groundbreaking. But before we get on to that, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about former captain Lucio, who said this. Um, who said the coach was part of the reason that he left Munich in July 2009. So the season before the Champions League final, Lucio was Bayern Munich captain, right, okay. and now he's oh, really? lining wow. up four into Milan. Uh, so he went on to say, Van Hal hurt me more than anyone else in football. He didn't even speak with me before making it clear that I was no longer needed. That's really disappointing. I had a beautiful time at Bayern and we won a lot of trophies. Nevertheless, it's just not right how things went. I Won the Confederations Cup twice. I've been a world champion in Brazil and I was crowned the best defender of the Bundesliga. I'm not a youngster who needs to prove his worth to a new coach. And it was personal for Lucio, and he would say after the game, I'm happy for Inter, but a little sorry for my former fans. Half of my heart is for the Bavarians and I could have ended my career happily in Germany. But Louis Van Gaal, Karl Heinz Rummenigge and Uli Honas made me leave. Wow. And so for Lucio, he was deeply hurt. Yeah. He was settled. He had obviously won things with Bayern uh, and was just shipped out without a word being said to him by Van Gaal. Wow. Um, and then finally, even Frank Gribry who um, played Frank very Gribry. well Frank Gribry, Frank Gribry <laughs> he, um, he went on to say even whilst getting the most out of him Van Hal at Bayern did brilliant things together. Ribé said, I cannot say that I have much fun with him or that I have a special relationship with him, he told reporters in 2010. I do my job, he does his, I give my best and do everything, but when the coach always speaks badly about you, when he keeps on putting you down, then it's tough. So that was said at the time, this year, wow. even though Ribé had been in great form for Bayern, yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it's clear that Van Hal was an author- authoritarian, then just to give you an idea of the size of the ego, the final story I have is, uh, this is a story told by a senior British sports writer seeing Van Gaal at a dinner. Uh, a huge fan of him, he rushed over and uh, spoke to his wife and he said, this man, by way of instruction, is one of the greatest coaches of all time. He helped invent modern football. Alarmed that he might have gone too far, the reporter looked at Van Gaal in embarrassment. Van Hal just nodded.
1: <laughs> 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 I've got a lot of time Yes, for I am. Yeah. Uh, so
0: basically, this whole... This whole match was historic for Inter Milan it was historic for Bayern Munich but it was really about these two managers that had history which I'll get into in extra yeah, yeah, time yeah. Um, but as we head into the match um, it's fair to say that it was a real toss up between who would win there was no outright favourite yeah. and it was going to be who performed better on the day So both teams would play with a 4 2 3 1 formation, uh, but deployed them very differently. Mourinho relying on that solid defensive work and great counter attacking, which was kind of his trademark. Uh, even his, uh, Chelsea days, his Porto days, they're incredibly good at soaking up pressure. They weren't anywhere near as defensive or boring as you can argue Mourinho teams have become yeah. later in his career. Yeah. They were still very exciting, um, but they relied on counter attacking, much like I guess Real Madrid do nowadays. Real Madrid aren't a dominant kill you with possession, kill you with pressing team. They are just so clinical on, a, on attack, and this is what uh, the Inter Milan team were back in 2010. Uh, Louis van Gaal had very quick passing and direct dribbling. They were a very on-the-front-foot team, and van Gaal's football was uh, attractive to watch and very, very effective. And The game started really well for Bayern, who saw um, I Robin give Christian Schievi a torturous start to the game. Robin was Robin. absolutely fantastic. He loves it. He does love it. We all know what he's going to do, and you still can't stop him. Yeah. He was absolutely brilliant, and... Uh, Early on, he beat Shivu down the right and set up uh, Olic, the Croatian slamming wide with Alt in top, um, also saw a white... A right foot shot deflected wide and then Robin skewed another one wide from about 18 yards out so early on Bayern are all over Inter and pre-game Van Hal had said uh, how defensive Inter Milan were how good they were at the back how sometimes it can be called negative football trying to (laughs) coax Mourinho into being a little bit more open it seemed to work for the first 10 minutes Inter try and play on the front foot and they start getting picked apart and then after about 10 minutes either Marino gives the instruction or they naturally just revert to type and they start to go more defensive again Uh, and that's when Inter's first chance comes but it comes as Wesley 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 Schneider (laughs) the Dutch maestro Wesley Schneider Uh, so Wes big (laughs) Wes he uh, sees he goes for a free kick from 40 yards out and it gets slightly deflected and is just saved by Hans-Jorg Butt in goal for Bayern Munich Hans-Jorg Butt Hans-Jorg Butt
1: (laughs) I mean it's close enough (laughs)
0: He will be just referred to as Butt Uh, moving forward. Uh, So Butt uh, denies Wesley Schneider, and it is amazing. It's 40 yards out, and you just wonder why he's going for it, but it is close to pulling off. Um, And then Esteban Cambiasso, who would later go on to have a season at Leicester, um, had a firm volley blocked. And then on 34 minutes, Inter's ambush came, and it can only be called that. Bayern Munich had been dominating, had had the lion's share of possession, but um, a long ball goes from Julio Cesar in goal for Inter Milan, who Gabriel Melito, the Argentinian striker, who had a phenomenal year this treble-winning season, um, manages to flick the ball to Wesley Schneider, who then just plays it. It's like a one-two, a flick from Melito. Schneider controls it, plays a, a wonderful ball in behind the... Um, into Mil- uh, sorry, Bayern Munich defence, and then Melito turns, manages to run onto it, and uh, clips home a really good finish. But it's really interesting. If you watch it on YouTube, the highlight of this first goal, uh, Martin Demichaelis, who is the centre back for Bayern Munich, along with Daniel van Boyten, Demichaelis closes Melito down. And I don't know why he doesn't stick a foot in. He stood next to the ball. And Milito seems to hold on for a second longer than he should. And when you watch it, I've seen this now 10 times because I couldn't get my head around it.
1: Yeah.
0: De Michalis is stood next to him, but he re- he doesn't put a foot in. He gives Milito this extra second. And it's like the video skips because you're like, there's no way he doesn't hit it. Weird. It's like you're watching it, you're like, and he's going to shoot. And then it's a second later. Yeah. But the only thing I can think is. At this point, Milito is inside the penalty area.
1: Don't want to give a penalty. Maybe, but
0: it just, it seems bizarre. It's like Demichaelis had a bet on where he goes, "Uh, I'm going to make it look like I'm trying to tackle. (laughs) But actually I've got him on first goal scorer because it is just very bizarre. (laughs) Milito does really well. Uh, It's a really good finish, but it's just bizarre. When you watch it back, the opening goal of this final, Demichaelis gets turned, manages to get back into a good position and just doesn't stick a foot out. Uh, Milito's shot goes in and then uh, that is basically the story of the first half is Interland sit back, manage to soak up defence, Bayern Munich don't have any more clear-cut chances in that first half, um, but as the second half begins, Bayern have a glorious chance, and it's a young Thomas Muller, it's very strange, game, seeing him young, uh, but he fails to score from 15 yards out with the keeper to beat, the ball gets well, we know across. what that looks like, don't we mate? we absolutely do, absolute mug, um, <laughs> but as the ball comes across the area, he's just got the keeper, he just needs to side for it either way, um, but he can't convert the chance, um, and uh, it's a, a miss that he was almost A to rue within minutes as Gabriel Melito again bursts down by Munich's left. He cuts the ball back for Goran Pandev, only for Butt to brilliantly tip um, his clipped effort past the post. So Butt manages to get something on it. Uh, a sk- hands. It skims the Butt.
1: Hans gets hands on it.
0: Hansy Butt. <laughs> <laughs> manages to, uh, sa- we are so immature, uh, manages to get a save. But predictably, though, the pattern for the second half has been set with Bayern controlling possession into sitting deep and looking to break with pace whenever possible. Um, and then what we see is Melito is given the ball by Samuel Eto'o, still a long way from goal. Uh, and as he runs at Bayern Munich centre-back Daniel van Boyten, he is powerless to stop Melito turn as he brilliantly, although you definitely think Van Borten should do better um, turns and beats him gets inside the box and side-foots the sensational 30th goal of the season wow. in all competitions wow. Milito had scored goals for less fancied club, clubs in Italy had got had been signed by Inter Milan this season and 30 goals later he yeah, was right. the main reason they won the treble he was absolutely sensational Milito avanti, I due attaccanti, del, dell'Inter. Milito, una finta. in area, ancora! Um, And that is basically the story of the final. Bayern try and try and try, but Inter execute their game plan absolutely perfectly. It sounds like a Mourinho masterclass. Yeah, it really is. They were clinical and it wasn't a boring final, but, but Inter just did exactly what they set out to do they soaked up every bit of pressure that yeah. Bayern Munich threw at them and then every time they well not every time they counted but the few times they counted they yeah. counted successfully put the ball in the back of the net. they were clinical yeah. um, which especially with Milito he was absolutely spectacular this season but it's that second goal where yeah it's a wonderful bit of skill from um, Milito but in the same way, Van Boyden's body position is all over the shop and he turns the long way round, is completely beaten, and then once Melito's in the area is an absolute assassin. So uh full time whistle is blown, into Milan, win a historic treble. Mm. Jose Mourinho joins that small list of managers to win with two different clubs. Uh, and Melito was given Man of the match, and the Guardian wrote The vision. Guardian. The Guardian We're a bloody sponsor by The Guardian. We should be. They went on to say, vision, timing, flawless
1: Flawless.
0: <laughs> it's the <laughs> Dutch in the mate. Let's try that again. Vision, timing, flawless technique, and sang Freud. These two goals had everything a great striker needs, plus a sense of lyricism in the fluency of his movement. Oh, my word. The 30-year-old Melito is hardly a fancy striker. He's not a Messi taking your breath away with a trick, or a Tevez galvanising the stadium with elemental force. But his economy has just been as devastating. Which wow. is true. He was just so clinical. I here. mean, 30 goals doesn't
1: lie, does it? No. Bottom line.
0: Uh, for a... Again, not defensive, but counter-attacking yeah, yeah. Inter Milan team. Like you're only going to get maybe two or three chances a game, and he was converting them. Um, and so, with Inter Milan being treble winners, we head into extra time.
1: Well, you have just witnessed ninety of the most gripping minutes of European football you will ever, ever see. But the good news is, there's more to come.
0: So almost instantly, uh, Jose Mourinho revealed after the match that he would likely resign from Inter to pursue the goal of being the first manager to win the Champions League with three clubs. Wow. An achievement that he was unable to achieve so far in his career. Yeah. He's had a
1: couple of goes at Madrid, didn't
0: he? I've got a feeling they bottled it in the semis. Uh, I don't think... I think that's why eventually they got rid of him. Wow. Because he was obviously managing during Pep's stupid domination anyway. But they did win the... Uh, they did win La Liga with 100 points and absolutely blew Barcelona away one season but he never quite did it in Europe so it's part of the reason why it didn't uh, carry on Yeah. yeah Um, but Mourinho did beat the English, the Spanish and the German champions en route. So he earned this in every yeah. conceivable way. Um, and then Van Hal and Mourinho had worked together. So this is what's really interesting about this. So uh, Mourinho had been um, a translator under Bobby Robson yep. at Barcelona, uh, where Van Hal was the assistant to Robson. Yep. And so you had this kind of boot room scenario where after Robson left, uh, Van Hal was promoted to manager, but Van Hal had spotted something in Marino, despite the fact he'd been mainly a translator. He saw and asked Mourinho to put together a dossier on uh, an opposition that he was facing. Marino came back with this incredibly detailed, incredibly insightful um, dossier. And so Van Hal promoted him to be one of his assistants wow. and specifically on scouting opponents, finding their weaknesses, finding things that they... Uh, could exploit, and this would become basically where Mourinho learnt his um, a special, especially his success in cups, where he was able to set himself up for one-off games or two-legged yeah, affairs yeah, yeah. because he knew the opposition incredibly well. Um, and it's basically Van Hal was his mentor. There wasn't a lot of affection, but Van Hal saw something in Mourinho and is basically gave Mourinho his start and wow. his his route into management. Which is so Mourinho owes Van Hal a lot and speaks well of him. Yeah if not affectionately. Um, but yeah, it was Van Hal, interestingly, who gave Mourinho his first start. Oh, wow. uh, and then there's an anecdote of um, Victor Bayer, the Porto goalkeeper. When Mourinho took over, there was a game, I forget what it is, I think it was Champions League still, where Mourinho said, the referee's going to be against us. We're probably going to have a player sent off. I think we'll be nil-nil. We should get a goal in the 80th minute and then we're going to shut it down. He, like, like Nostradamus predicted this thing (laughs) and then Victor Baez said it happened exactly like he said they had the referee against them one of their players was unfairly sent off they managed to get the goal and it was back to the wall it was just like prophecy so this was like Mourinho when he was hungry and clearly spent every night thinking about every permutation of a game Anyway, so uh, less than two seasons later, Inter would be sitting in seventh place after garnering only one win in the last 10 matches. They were eliminated from the Coppa Italia in the quarterfinals and from the Champions League in the first knockout round. Inter had gone from a team in triumph to a team in turmoil. And what had caused this precipitous fall from grace? One of the biggest issues had been the revolving door at the manager's office. Since Jose Mourinho's two-year tenure ended at the San Siro, Inter had had five managers. Rafael Benitez, Leonardo, Gian Piero Gasparini, Claudio Ranieri and Andres Stramaccioni. None of these coaches had a tenure of more than seven months and none of them had managed more than 34 games. Zero, dear. So, absolutely incredible Who's there now? So Simeone Inzaghi is manager now. Uh, he's taken over from Antonio Conte, who led them to their first title oh, in years. Okay, so obviously Conte yeah, yeah. left Inter um, and came to Tottenham. Simeone Inzaghi's taken over. He's done really well. People expect them to fall apart. So they would yeah. sold Lukaku. Um, they would lost Antonio Conte. they would sold um, Hakimi to Paris Saint-Germain. But Inzaghi's done well there now. But it's taken them a long time to stabilise. Antonio Conte managed to break up. Obviously Juventus have become the superpower. They won seven in a row, whatever it was. Um, But Conte managed to break that up. So Inter, for the first time in 10 years, had success. So basically, this 2010 team is really the last time Inter, before Conte's title win, had anything to celebrate um, and anything to do. So yeah it's basically it all fell apart post Mourinho which is something we've seen a couple of times now in terms yeah. of he manages to get the most but leaves the team exhausted and maybe yeah, not yeah. in the best shape yeah. um, but never leave a
1: legacy does he he takes no. his legacy with him is what it feels like
0: exactly um, and there is definitely something about living in the past even for Inter Milan who um, like I said still have his, um, yeah, his yeah. banner up and still give him a, a warm welcome whenever he's managed against them so it's incredible stuff but uh, in the battle of the egos Jose Mourinho managed to beat Louis van Gaal and be become a treble winning manager which nice. few can say they've done absolutely so ad can you tease us for what you're going to be doing next in your podcast or have you not yet decided from the myriad of ones you can pick
1: there's a few in the hat i've not yet decided
0: <laughs> and with that cliffhanger we know you'll be back next week so uh, join us thank you very much